Savage CBD strives to help people by offering top quality, lab-tested, natural CBD at affordable pricing. And it really is affordable. Whether you're new to CBD or have been using it for years, you can always count on all-natural, hemp-derived CBD with the purest ingredients. Savage CBD carefully tests each batch to ensure quality, consistency, taste, and authenticity. They pride themselves on their transparency and believe that you should know exactly what goes into your favorite CBD products. With Savage CBD, you can choose from a range of premium CBD lotions, creams, tinctures, gummies, and so much more. When you look at their website, there are thousands of happy customers who've reported incredible results after using CBD to supplement their daily routine. Overall, Savage CBD's goal is to create the products that empower you to maintain your balanced lifestyle. Whether you need some extra shut-eye at night or you need to find some more calm throughout your day, you can count on Savage CBD to help you reach that goal. And guys, just for listening to this podcast, you can save 20% on your first purchase of CBD when you use our code BRAD20. So go ahead, my friends, start your CBD journey with Savage, and they'll be there to support you with every step of the way. Simply visit SavageCBD.com to redeem 20% off your first purchase of CBD by using code BRAD20 and see why thousands of people are using CBD. Now, Kelly, I've been a CBD user for a little while. I use it when I'm out on the disc golf course. It helps me relax. It's great with muscle aches and pains, and it's really kind of replaced ibuprofen for me. So uh, anybody that's listening to this, guys, check out Savage CBD. We thank them for being a supporter of the Noel Family Foundation, the Bradley's House podcast, and we hope you'll support them as well. My name is Peter DiStefano, and I'm in the band Porno for Pyros. And, uh, was in the same era as Brad, and uh, you're listening to Bradley's house, and this is the best place you could be if you want to get sober. Hey guys, welcome back. Come on in, make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Noel Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Noel. Kelly, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you, Jared? I'm tired, Kelly. I uh, It dawned on me that with a lot of the different business dealings that I do, I've been giving out my address to all of these fancy people that I'm doing business with. So uh, I spent the afternoon painting a big blue square in my backyard. So if anybody Google Earths me, they'll think I have a big pool back there. <laughs> and it'll, it kind of just ups no, my... not. I don't believe that for a second. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing good, Kelly. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm always excited on days that we record and uh, get an opportunity to chat with somebody new and fun and exciting. And uh, I'm really excited about today's guest, and I know you are as well, Kelly. Who's our house guest today? I, uh, you know, I think we're so fortunate that we get to talk to so many incredibly talented people and 
people from different walks of life that you know somehow tie into the theme of what we're talking about here on Bradley's house whether it's music or recovery or just you know people making a difference in the world and so um anyway today i'm super excited that we have on with us one of the artists from the house that Bradley built and quite honestly and this is no big secret because i have been very vocal about this his cover was one of the absolute big surprise breakouts for me totally unexpected and, and I just love it. I'm super excited that we have with us today, singer, songwriter, and guitarist, Shane Hall. Welcome, Shane. Boom. Hello. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. I feel welcome. I appreciate that. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. So tell me a little bit about yourself. You're not originally from Southern California, are you? I am not. I am originally from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, and I'm never going back. Uh, maybe just to visit. <laughs> maybe maybe just to visit my parents and stuff. But other than that, not really. Uh, yeah, but I moved out here um, a couple different times, but most recently about eight years ago. Oh, wow. What brought you out here? How'd you end up on this coast? The, the first time I was military. So I was stationed oh, wow. out here in, um, in the last century. So... Well, said, 1999. Military were you with? Uh, Marines. Right on. Thank you very much for serving. You're welcome. So that's what brought you out initially. Yeah. Um, I uh, I was out. My I had an aunt out here when I was a kid, but I don't remember visiting. I was like four or something. And then uh, I, my first duty station was in Japan for a year, oh. and I was little bit homesick at first and then i got over it and my roommate was like dude go to california when you leave here go to california what are you gonna do when you leave here i'm gonna go to california and <laughs> he was not playing around he it was yeah. it's pretty epic and uh, i love it so is that how you ended up in oceanside yeah i was right you at pendleton right. i was stationed at pendleton yeah and then um I, uh, I was here for three years, and then I uh, left and went to Europe for a while, and then I came back here, and then I did some deployments, and then I got out, and I came back here. Wow. So I live on the other side of Pendleton from where you are. Um, San Clemente? <laughs> well, yeah, just above San Clemente. I work in San Clemente, actually, but just above San Clemente. So we hear whenever they're doing the, the missile shelling and stuff at San Clemente, we can hear it, the booming. Oh, yeah. And actually, the the place where I worked, the last office we were at, was butted up right against the the base, and so it would would shake the whole building. Like seriously, it felt like an earthquake because it would just and just like shake the whole building crazy. And it just gave me such a a whole different appreciation for the reality of that kind of stuff that you guys go through and deal with and prepare for and experience. I mean, that's it's really intense, and I. I knew about it, but I just had no idea until I like felt the vibrations of the, the artillery. It's really, really intense stuff. Yeah, they it's not playing around. Um, it is, <laughs> exactly. It, it is not. It's like, oh, this is very, very much real and yeah. dangerous. Uh, yeah, man, I'm on the actually live on the other side, opposite, and we feel it too. On, yeah, bet on occasion. So tell me a little bit about how you got into music. I got, uh, music was like a thing that I always dug. We were, I was in the 
the front seat of my mom's car. We're driving along, and I'm looking out the window at the sky, and this song comes on called Eye in the Sky by Alan Parsons Project. And I thought it was the coolest sounding thing ever. And then from that moment on, I started just paying more attention. But And then through the years, I sang. But my mom sang. She played horns and stuff in school and whatnot. And my, my dad was a DJ and an organ player. So music was around, but it wasn't like a career option. It was just around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I dabbled and singing a lot, mostly in the shower. Uh, did a couple like chorus and choir things, but nothing crazy. And then uh, didn't really dig in deeper till I was 12. My stepdad got me guitar lessons and I quit because I hated it, hurt my hands. I, I wanted to play electric, mm-hmm. but I was playing not electric and it was pissing me off. And then um, he actually gave me the guitar that I recorded uh, under my voodoo on. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, still got it. And then um, and then when I got into my military service and my early 20s is when I started buckling down. I met some other people that were musicians. So I was, like, starting to write and play and play in front of people kind of thing. Nice. When And... At what point did you realize that you wanted to do that for a living? I think I noticed it right away, but I didn't want to say that. I feel like, because mm. I hate it when people are like, oh, God, I can play three chords. I'm going to be famous. Like, <laughs> nah, man. And I knew it's, I knew it's, I knew it was a lot more. I didn't know what it would take, but I know it's a lot more. So I wanted to work at it harder and longer. Plus, I was still in the military. So I actually didn't. It didn't even really dawn on me that it could be a full-time career option until I was like 30. Wow. So what changed? Um, I started making money and that helps. I was organizing events. I was like putting together, I started a band and then started playing. So the second time I was stationed in Japan, I was there for longer and I was in mainland. And there was a shortage of bars and um, places for people to go and hang out because the town kind of died because the Marines were uh, on restriction. So they had to be back on base by like 10 p.m. for a long time. So when I get there, I'm like, why is this place so dead? It's Friday night. There's six people in here. So I started putting together events for me to play. And it turned into a whole thing. And I'm like, dude, I could totally make a living doing this. Like, it's just not, uh, it's not rocket science. It's just work. I can do that. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, as you're, you know, you said you didn't start making a living doing this until you're 30, but you said music's always been a big part of your life. Who were some of the bands that you were listening to as you were growing up that, made you say, yeah, I, I do want to do this, even though you maybe didn't declare it out loud in the back of your head, you knew you wanted to do it. There had to be some, some bands that you were listening to outside of the Alan Parsons project, which I love. Right, right, right. right. Uh, so basically I had an identity crisis my whole youth, like no idea what was going on. My mom is white, blonde hair, blue eyes. My dad was very black, but not 
they weren't married, didn't spend a lot of time with him. I grew up where my mom went to school and stuff. So I was very confused on a lot of different things. And my music, I just listened to everything. Uh, I MTV was like just kind of getting fired up. So I was loving it. I just watched MTV all day. I watched everything. Mm-hmm. All the MTV you can imagine, I seen it. <laughs> was and, that like um, back when they were still doing music videos? Or? Yeah, it was like all the <laughs> hair bands and stuff. When it like was Def actual Leopard. music television. <laughs> yeah, and I'm from, the, I'm from the Northeast. So like all the like Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen stuff mm-hmm. popping off. But all back when all the musicians just all the music videos were getting played. And then at night it was like, yo, MTV raps. And then mm-hmm. all the other cool stuff going on. I was really into R and B as a kid though, singing wise. So like boys to men and mm. um, shy and like all those pre boy band, amazing groups. Yeah. Uh, really kind of shaped me a little bit. I had a, I understood funk, but I didn't really like it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I didn't get the, I didn't get it. I understood it. My, my my natural form is very funky. Like I'm very Mm -hmm. automatic with the funky, but I didn't really get it, but I did love James Brown always. Mm -hmm. And then uh, later in my uh, late teens is when I got into Hendrix and classic rock as a whole, my roommate, Mm -hmm. In, uh, in Okinawa basically gave me uh, education on music by decade from the 50s to the 90s and wow. uh, we he was a raging alcoholic so he'd make me drink with him so he wouldn't feel like an alcoholic and he would play <laughs> um, he'd be like okay chubby checker boom 1950 to 19 whatever and then he'd be like, yeah, fun fact, died in a car in a plane crash, Buddy Holly and blah, blah, blah. And like he would just rattle this shit off and he knew all this wow. stuff. And uh, I didn't pay much attention to all that. It was a lot at one time. I did, when I hear sounds that I like, I like kind of focus in on them and research them. And I have to listen to them a million times until I'm tired of them. Right. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Definitely. So that kind of shaped your your sound that you have now? Yeah. And then, well, but I didn't really know like what music I could make. Cause I, for, as far as I was concerned, I couldn't really play guitar very well. I could do a couple chords or whatever. But when I started playing more and like playing with other people, that's when I got into more specific kinds of music. Like, I mean, I went through my sublime phase, like everybody else. Um, and, uh, but it was too hard. It was too hard for me to play it and sing it at the same time. I was getting my ass kicked. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. Yeah. So when you got out to Oceanside this last time, is that where you hooked up with law records? Indeed. Um, I was, uh, man, 2018 uh it was like the spring of 2018 and i was playing a restaurant gig i played like back then i was playing 
four to five shows a week. Um, nothing glamorous, just getting paid full time, you know? Um, and I played at this restaurant in Oceanside called masters. And, um, it was crazy. The, uh, um, Kaleo from pepper walks in him and him and his lady. And they're like, so there's a couple couches like in front of, uh, where I perform and they're sitting on the couches and they, I guess they intended to come in for like one drink and it ended up being four hours. They stayed for the whole set and we hung out afterwards and, uh, that rolled into me doing some helping Kaleo with some live events when they were launching their wine. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and then it kind of distribution deal. And then he asked if I had any records in the can already. And I had a couple. So, and then I ended up, uh, by February, 2019, I got signed by law records and we put out, uh, West river queen, which was my, uh, big record in my first final release that was was that the the collection of eps yeah nice so okay so kaleo of course lives down in oceanside have you been to the switchboard restaurant in oceanside while we're yeah. on the subject love that i threw place. love Kevin. Yeah, I, threw, I threw a big festival there um right as things started to open back up it was oh, first festival awesome. of the year switchboard switch fest Right on. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, Kevin, the owner, is a big supporter of the foundation. He's been wonderful to us. Yeah, I went down there one time. Um, I don't remember when it was, maybe about four to six months ago, and had dinner. What an amazing place he's got there. He's really yeah, doing man. a great job. He's doing more and more with it, too. He's opened up the coffee shop, and then it's going to be like an art bar next door. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> he's the busiest man I know. I swear. He's like a fire captain on the LA fire department and he owns a restaurant, opens a coffee place. Now the art thing, like there's, he's always doing something. Love him. Love him. Yeah. Yeah, That's very cool. He's also a retired Marine. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes, he is. He's cause he has done and is doing everything. (laughs) I swear he's amazing. (laughs) So you got connected with law records who of course, they're the ones who are responsible for doing the house that Bradley built. Absolutely adore Paul Milbury and Yasad Williams. They are some of my most favorite people. Yeah, he's the man. Old Paul suit handling business. I yeah, like it. The hammer, the hammer. They're really yeah. just, they're such great people and have so much integrity and, and truly care about people and about the music and put that first, right. you know, and I, I love that about them. So I'm so stoked that you're working with them and I'm so stoked that you were on the album. So was it your idea to do under my voodoo or did they suggest actually, that for you? Actually like, so Paul hit me up and he's like, we're doing this thing. Um, and he went, ran it down and I was like, that's awesome. I'm like, is he going to ask me to be on it? And he's like, <laughs> we want you to do a song. I'm like, yes, I got you. <laughs> and uh so I listened to all the uh all of Bradley's like acoustic uh demos and stuff that I could find and um just got kind of blown away. I knew all the good songs would be taken, like all the cool ass songs would be taken. So I was trying to find some stuff that was less 
uh, forward in the repertoire, you know? Yeah. And uh, I went to Paul, and I'm like, yo, how about this one? And he's like, yeah, that's a cover. I'm like, uh. I'm like, all right, well, what about this one? Oh, yeah, that's also a cover. It's like, shit. <laughs> all right. So I did a real good version of Zimbabwe. It was awesome. <laughs> Ooh, nice. And I was like, oh, all right, all right. And then he's like, why don't you try Under My Voodoo? And I listened to it. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to do right. that? <laughs> and then um, and he's like, well, how about you do Under My Voodoo? I need it by tomorrow. <laughs> no so pressure. make it happen. And I'm like, oh, all right. Okay. So I went to the studio. Me and my producer, producer Dom. Mm. he's uh uh he's awesome and we just were in there like trying stuff and i'm like all right i think i have an idea for this song and then i ran it and he's like that's it that's the one i'm like dope all right let's do it again and i probably did it like four times and we took so it's a live recording like i did i sang and played guitar at the same time oh and it was like a one take Jake kind of thing. No overdubs, no, no crazy stuff happening. That's um, nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, once I listened back, I'm like, oh, like I dig it. Like there's some stuff I might've done differently, but it's a, I was feeling it. I was in the moment. Mm. So I was like, let's just roll with that. I sent it to Paul, like fingers crossed, and Paul was like, "Hell yeah, man, tight." I'm like, "All right," <laughs> and then I didn't hear anything else about it for a long time, and then all of a sudden, like, it's coming out, we're releasing, we're dropping. Well, I'm like, "All right, woohoo!" Uh, after you sent it to Paul, shortly after that, he sent it to me, and he's like, "Hey, check this out," and I just remember like it was such a crazy moment because it you you so reinterpreted the song but gave it. Um, you know, obviously your own flavor, but just this incredible intensity to it in a completely different way. You know, right. like you said, like the sublime version is really, is really crazy wild. too. Yeah. It's really wild. It's wild. But then, but then yours was, was wild in its own right, you know, just this like uh-huh. dirty bluesy kind of a feel to it. And, and it just, it really blew me away because it was so unexpected. It wasn't the typical, and there's so many great covers on that album. I mean, I love every single one. Um, not to, you know, to minimize anybody else's work because so many artists really brought it for that album, but, but it was just such a different and unexpected interpretation that I immediately was just drawn to it. And the, the guitar is amazing. And I remember playing it for people. I was so excited. I'm like, listen, this, listen, this. anybody who got into my car had to listen to it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Like, and then that's funny. You said the intensity thing, because for me, I was trying to, so basically I took the blues like the delta blues man approach like one man one sound but it's basically giving all the energy and the intensity but still in a disciplined ish controlled delivery so it was like i was just trying to channel and by holding on i was struggling to like push out what need to do and i was struggling to play all at the same time and that's Mm. what you're hearing which is yeah. what I, which is why I, I kept it I was like, we're doing that that's it yeah <laughs> what what made you think to go in that direction in that bluesy direction 
I mean, to be real, honestly, that's where, like, as far as my guitar skill sets lie, that's probably the the most chops I have are blues orient, oriented. Mm. Um, plus, the framework of the song lines up pretty well with, like, Voodoo Child and other stuff. Right. So I got the idea because I do a similar version of Voodoo Child like that, but I never recorded it or anything. So I was like, mm. oh, well, I can just kind of shift this and now I can play it comfortably and focus on the vocal delivery and then bring accents in with the guitar too. That's amazing. You must have been pretty familiar with the song in order to just kind of crank it out in one evening like that. Um, I was not, but really? I worked at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, wow. I mean, I, I listened to it, but if I listened to it too much, I would try to do it like it was. And I wanted to take the essence. Like I really like this melody lines, like being your guide. Like actually, that is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I was like, I'm doing that. I'm that's dope. I'm going to want to lean into that. So. Well, you yeah. certainly, you did an awesome job and it's, it's not an easy song. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking with, uh, fans of, of Sublime, uh, specifically, I, I joke and I say that there's some songs that, um, Brad writes that are very meaningful lyrically, like you can feel the songs. And then sometimes he does songs just to show off. And, uh, <laughs> And I, and that's one of those songs where like, I feel like he was like, I've got this amazing range with my voice and my guitar, and I'm going to write a song to show off and, and prove that I have that. Yeah. And, uh, and that's yeah. how I kind of always judge that song. And every time it comes on, that's the first thing I think. I'm like, he's just showing off. And, uh, so really a difficult, a difficult song to, uh, to go at. And your interpretation of it was amazing. Thank you, man. Yeah. The thing I noticed about his version the most was his uh his vocal timing mm-hmm. um and then the the instrument timing is very offset so for me to sing it like he sings it exactly and play it like it's almost impossible because like right. that's him like he's done that a million times that's his thing and for me like the, the timing was so strange to me like i had to really rain it in and I actually smoothed it out a little bit and made it a little I dumbed it down actually a little bit for me but then I just used my voice to kind of make it shine in different areas gotcha makes sense well you did a great job for sure so you're a a solo artist have you you've been in bands before though right um I've had bands um I've been in a couple bands but mainly uh, we sucked. So it was very long, <laughs> very long time ago. So, uh, I was in a band called spoon fed cool was my first band and it was an acoustic band. And I was like the side man. I was just the, the backup guitar player, the lead guitar, backup vocal guy. And I could, I could only sing and play five songs, to, uh, at that time. So it was like a really growth project for me. And then I was in a band, this guy that owned a bar in Japan was a drummer and he put together a band and I fronted the band, but it was his band. It was called mm-hmm. hero zero, no recordings, a lot of covers. And, um, and then I was in a, I started my own band called Jalopy. And that was like my first 
band band. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a little band called The Side Project, and it was a duo. And now I got my chops, chops in, but I basically did a bunch of covers and played cafes and stuff. But uh, now I go by Shane Hall. I've had rosters and rosters of people I play with, but I decided I didn't want a band because nobody's going to want to work as hard and for as little as I am. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I uh, just made sure that I was able to execute the gigs. But over the years, I have put together a band, and I do have a band now, but it's just called the Shane Hall Band or the Shane Hall Trio. Gotcha. I would imagine it's got to be um, stressful being a part of a band because you got to deal with all the different people and personalities and and everybody's artistic ideas. But then being a solo artist, I would imagine there's a lot of pressure because it's all on you. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. So I enjoy being the boss and I'm grown enough and uh, have the aptitude to handle that, I think. However, it does come with its uh, trouble spots. Um, For instance, like two weeks ago, we were on tour in Salt Lake City and our trailer with all our gear got stolen. I heard about that. That's awful. So $39,000 worth of gear gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we're like, ah, but, and I'm responsible. You know what I mean? So it's just like, ah. But uh, I found guys that are really perfect for what I'm doing. And now they are my band. Like, they're my dudes. So... Mm. I love it. And I do have a lot of pressure, but dude, I need pressure. I won't do shit. Right. It keeps you going, huh? Yeah. I'll just be like, oh, I'm super comfortable now. I'm just going (laughs) to chill. But I need stuff to, I like, I plan, I book shows and stuff just to make me work on different material and stuff. Cause I like playing live is how I kind of cut my teeth as a musician. It's part of my writing process. It's, uh, it's the centerpiece of what I do. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. So what do you have coming up? What are you working on now? Um, working on a couple of records. Uh, the Slow EP is going to come out. It's a, actually a lo-fi record I did during COVID. And um, Hal and Sway, we're trying to get that thing together too. Uh, that'll be out probably early next year. And I've got tours, man. I got shows on shows coming up. Doing the East Coast. I'm doing uh, North Carolina, West Virginia, and then me and Kaleo are doing a bunch of city winery uh, shows in like every major city in the Eastern Seaboard, pretty much. Nice. Um, That'll be fun. Yeah. So that I'm really stoked for that. Love that dude, and He's I appreciate wonderful. him. <laughs> yeah, great guy. Great guy. When you say you're going back to the East Coast, you're from Harrisburg. So, um, are you a uh, are you a Philly sports fan? Um, yeah, everybody. I like Philly except for football. I like oh. Pittsburgh. Oh, <laughs> that's all right. We won't we won't hold that. I grew up in Philadelphia, um, but I'm actually a Giants fan. So that's what. <laughs> all right, so. So I have an older brother who's seven years older than me and he's a diehard Eagles fan and he's a huge asshole. So at like, at like a really young age. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So that's why I'm not an Eagles fan. 
Right. The stigma. It's just, it's horrible. So, uh, at a really young age, I mean, real young, I realized how much he hated the giants. Um, so they became my favorite team. And then, oh my uh, yeah. And then in 1990, they won the Super Bowl when I was seven. So I was just like, shit, um, you know, my brother <laughs> hates them and they're the Super Bowl champions. Like I'm in. So, <laughs> That's so yeah. So That's is that uh, it, huh? It's very similar for me. My dad and my my stepdad and his mom and the brother, the stepbrother were all hardcore Eagles fans. And my stepbrother was more of a hardcore Redskins fan. And I was like, first of all, screw you guys. I don't care. Second of all, you're going to push me. Fine. Right. Pittsburgh's got way better colors than all y'all. I ain't even, it's not even a contest to me. So right, I went with right. Pittsburgh. I went right. with Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a good call. But when you so now when you're on tour is like, do you do you hit the Philadelphia area quite a bit and uh, and do some shows? Is that like your home your home ground? No, man. Because I mean, I do. I have. I went out there in 2019. I did like four or five shows in Philly, and that was the first time I played in Philly. Because when I was growing up, I didn't really play in front of people yet. I was just dabbling um but uh yeah i'm playing in philly this um with kaleo actually Mm. and uh i don't have anything else booked there right now but um i was trying to book earlier and they were they were all still locked down so now that everything's open again who knows but might get locked back down i don't know it's hard to tell these days man Gosh, I certainly hope not. I can't. I can't go for another lockdown. Um, so, so I hope that's. I hope that's something that we can avoid. But yeah, when you mentioned the R and B and you said boys to men, I'm like, well, yeah, because that was the only thing that they ever played on the radio from like right. 1990 to 1999. That was that was all that you were <laughs> that you were fed. Uh, I actually met Nathan Morris at the uh, Las Vegas airport, and he begged me for a picture, and I finally took it and posted it on. on social media. That is one of my uh, all time favorite pictures. <laughs> Dude, I do. They're oh awesome, and Philly's awesome, man. Like being playing there, I f- it was great. But I love that town, and I love the music and the art in that town. There's a drum sound from Philly that is just so tight and so good. Uh, man, I'm like addicted to it. Me and my drummer were like just watching because we, we went to other people's gigs while we were there, just watching these people, the locals play. Man, they're swaying so hard. You know, well, it's Questlove's stomping ground, so there it is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, it's uh, it's a it's a great music scene there, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to go into the city. I haven't been back in a, in a few years now at this point, but um, yeah, Philadelphia is a, is an awesome place to go and check out and you know visit and then get the hell out of there. Is, is my <laughs> best. get the hell out. Of- yeah. Yeah, get it. Get let's get some pizza and a and a cheese steak. In fact, do you know what a uh, what a South Philly taco is? No. All right, so South Philly taco. It's at there's a specific place now. There's a bunch of places that offer them, but they actually take a giant slice of pizza and they wrap it around the cheese steak. Oh, and gosh. that sounds fucking amazing. It is. It, it's like yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> There's times where, like, when I knew I was going back to visit, I wouldn't eat for, like, a couple days, and I'd be like, I have to get ready for what's actually getting ready to happen when I when I do get there, because all I'm going to do is is eat. So, yeah, that's a real thing. Brilliant. 
That's brilliant. That's, That's brilliant. Horrifying. So who who are you who are you with? Like Pats or what what are you doing? All right, so here's the deal. Um, Pats and Geno's are amazing places to, for tourism. So, like, if you have a family member that comes in from out of town that's never been there, you have to take them to Pats and Geno's because um, it's all of the, you know, it's all of the sizzle, and then you get the, the steak. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's all the pictures of the famous people, and it's been in, on every TV show. And so, typically, um, we'll go to Pat's and Gino's, and I get somebody one of each, just so they can say that they they had them both. But realistically, there's a million little spots on street corners that I think have better cheesesteaks. Right around the corner, Ishka Bibbles, I think, is a better cheesesteak. Um, but Bibbles is called, but you have to go to you have to go to Pat's or, or Gino's just to say that you did it. Um, I think I did a spot called Dukes. Was it? Is it Dukes? Oh yeah, Dukes is Dukes is a Dukes famous. Was, Dukes was solid, man. I liked that. That was good. Yeah, I, it, we were there for seven days and we ate five cheesesteaks. So oh, right there, there, you go. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes if I have to if I have to change it up, I'll get a cheesesteak stromboli. And, uh, and that way I feel like I'm doing it a little bit, a little bit better, but yeah, I, uh, and then, you know, I used to vacation at the Jersey shore every year. Now, not the North Jersey shore. Like you see no fist pumping and Snooky. Uh, we kept it more civilized and went to the South, South Jersey shore. Um, yeah. but like, I would like seriously get ready for that. And then I moved away when I was 16 and there were so many things I didn't realize, like, you know, like I can't get pork roll here. Uh, people don't know, like, it's not a thing and, you know, cheesesteaks don't exist. And so moving away from the, from the Northeast, as much as I'm happy to be out of there, uh, there's a lot of things that I'm missing out on. Yeah. Yeah, man. Stromboli's not a thing out here, dude. No, no, <laughs> I know. Terrible. I know it's like a, it's like an endangered species or something. Oh, God. You, pr- you might have like a Jersey Mike's though, right? So Stromboli's not even a thing out here, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're not gonna get you're, you're not gonna get a Stromboli there, but you can still go to Jersey Mike's and get kind of a hoagie, and you can also get Tasty yeah. Cakes there. Um, yeah. When I when I lived in Portland, the manager used to just order me Tasty Cakes by the case, and I would go in there and I'd be like, "Can I have the, the case of Tasty Cakes?" And she's like, "You know, this is three hundred and fifty three dollars," and I'm like, "I that's not what we were talking ah. about." Do you have the case? Yeah, you um, got the you got the case or not, lady? Because yeah. I haven't had a taste of cake in three years. Hand right. Them over. If you're down this way, there's a spot called uh, I Love Bagels. It's in uh, Oceanside. They have two locations in o- Oceanside, and it's a it's a mom and pop shop straight from New Jersey. They do their own bagels, and they do like a mini cheesesteak. Like they don't do whiz or anything, but they do a mini cheesesteak, and it's it's good, man. But the right. bagels are really good. They do like pastrami bagel sandwiches and stuff. It's like, ooh. So if you're down there, try it out. I was just reading an article about a guy in Arizona uh, who grew up in Brooklyn and he opened up a bagel shop. And for the first like two years, um, he just couldn't, couldn't figure it out, couldn't get it right. And he now um, imports water Water. from Brooklyn. And he and he claims that that is 100% the difference. And that's why the bagels are so much better in New York than anywhere else. It's because of it's because of the water that they're using. And so he he like trucks it in like in a gasoline truck, except for filled with with Brooklyn, Brooklyn water. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, Brilliant. pretty crazy. That's what you got to do. So, uh, Shane, f- for everyone who's listening and uh, they want to go check you out, go ahead, plug your websites, YouTube pages, uh, yeah, yeah. anything that you have going on, man. Let us let us know how to find you. Yo, 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 it's me, Shane Hall. I'm right here. You know, hit me up in my Instagram. It's a Shane Hall official and uh, at Shane Hall official. And that's my also my YouTube um, those are the best things, really. ShaneHallOfficial.com is my website that is not properly kept. I'm working on it. In the meantime, Instagram, at ShaneHallOfficial. Right on. Is that where you post all your upcoming shows and stuff? Yes, ma'am. That's exactly, yep, that's right the one. On. Right on. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us, Shane. We appreciate you taking the time. Loved talking with you, hearing about the inspiration for your cover of Under My Voodoo. Um, again, thank you for being on the album, and I look forward to seeing you out there soon. It's my pleasure, and thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Thank you so much. And now I'm starving, so thanks for that. <laughs> well, you're not going to get a fucking stromboli anywhere. I'll tell you that uh, much right now. Better, better start driving. Well, Kelly, I know that we've talked many times times about the amazing compilation album the house that bradley built and you've never picked a a favorite song but i do know that when we had paul and Yi on we talked about a a song that was a shocker or one that kind of caught everybody off guard and blew them away and all three of you guys agreed that it was shane hall's rendition of under my voodoo um so it was awesome having him on and being able to chat with him and kind of from a different Different genre than some of the musicians that we've had on. Um, but again, what an amazing cover he did. Absolutely. And I think that's why it gave the song uh, such a different feel, you know, because he is from a bit of a different genre. And so that was, it was great to have him on the album and really great to have him on the podcast. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, I had a chance to hop in. If you guys have, uh, if you guys haven't, hop onto YouTube, look up some of his other tunes. Um, he really just has an amazing kind of soulful, jammy type sound. Um, and obviously chatting with him, you can see he's, uh, he's a lot of fun. So, mm-hmm. um, he took time there. He was, he's traveling down the road. He was heading to the next <laughs> spot as, as he it's was chatting busy with guy. us. Busy guy. Yeah, he also absolutely. Has some shows coming up. So if you guys are in the Southern California area, make sure to check out Shane at the Poorhouse in Oceanside on November 24th. He'll be playing with Kalea Wassman from Pepper at the Oceanside Theater Company on November 26th. He's got a couple of dates in San Diego in December. And then it looks like he and Kalea are hitting the road and going to be playing in Chicago and Washington, D.C. in January. So lots of opportunities. Again, his website is shanehallofficial.com. You can go there and get all the ticket info. Or, of course, you can just hop over to law-records.com where you can pick up your, uh, where you can pick up your copy of the compilation album, The House That Bradley Built, featuring Shane Hall. And there's also information on all the amazing Law Records, uh, musicians, Shane being one of them. Um, and, uh, and again, the, his rendition, um, of the show on The House That Bradley Built is just an absolutely, uh, amazing, amazing rendition. So, um, the guitar playing on that is just so soulful. Um, I was listening to it right before we recorded again. I just, I really enjoyed that one. And I know Kelly, that it was one that, that really caught you, uh, really kind of caught you off guard. You weren't expecting it when, when you got it. So definitely a highlight of the album for me. For sure, guys. Well, again, we hope you enjoyed this one as much as we enjoyed doing it. You know why we're doing it. We're raising funds to get Bradley's house up and built. You can go ahead and go into the description of this show right down there. 
and click on the link tree. It'll get you to all things Noel Family Foundation, uh, including Venmos and Cash Apps. Every dollar counts towards getting Bradley's house up and built. You guys can visit the org and pick up some merch. The holidays are coming. You can check out some pins and shirts, stickers. There's all sorts of stuff on there. And every dollar goes directly towards getting Bradley's house up and built. And Kelly, I know that every time a new order comes in, it means so much to, uh, to you and your family. Absolutely. We appreciate the support of everybody. And uh, we look forward to getting the house open. Yeah, it's, uh, we're getting there, guys. So every day we get a little bit closer with your help. So go ahead and like and share. Leave your comments. We see all of them. And uh, it's been an amazing time chatting with Shane, guys. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. I'm Jared Orr. She's Kelly Noel. You don't have to go home, but it's time to leave Bradley's house. Leave you high 